we did not know how many new people would be coming to the space or you know how much our work would involve a lot of educational stuff and i think that's what got me the biggest buzz after the webinar was feeling like people got that information from that webinar that we were making them all better as podcasters we were making podcasting better almost this is the pod on podcast we're your host tj bonavatura that's me and julian lewis that's me as founders of a podcast media company, we had to start a podcast. So join us each episode as we and our guests drop knowledge on podcasting for you, the curious and scrappy podcaster. Welcome, Zach. Welcome, Rock, to the Pod on Podcast. Glad to have you guys on. Happy to be here. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you for having us. Awesome. Just so the listeners know, you gents are the founders of Squadcast. Do you want to tell us a little bit about Squadcast before we get into the interview? Yeah, happy to. And and thanks again for having us on. So we, as you said, founded Squadcast, co-founded Squadcast. And the, the goal there is to connect podcasters and their guests to record content remotely in studio quality. So the experience on the surface is much like you'd have with Zoom, something like that, except you are creating quality audio content that in, sets you up for success in post-production and your listeners don't know that you weren't in the same location and have a really great listening experience with consuming your content. So we've been at that about three and a half years and Rock and I go way back before that. So that's what we've been working on. I want to go into how you guys met because you guys have a, a bit of an interesting story because you guys were connected before Squadcast. But before we go into the specifics of how you met, when did you guys realize, or I think, Zach, this is a question for you, but when did you realize that there was a problem that you were trying to solve that ultimately became Squadcast? And was it always this idea of connecting podcasters? No, <laughs> it wasn't. And yeah, it, it didn't start off as this startup idea or you know opportunity to, you know, build something new for podcasters. It started out much more organically and kind of out of frustration with the kind of state of the art of how to record content remotely for a podcast that we wanted to create. I wanted to do a creative side project. My brother is an audio engineer and my best friend is a decorated playwright and I had written some stuff. So I wanted to you know, get away from software engineering. And I went to art school kind of in a past life. So I wanted to do something in a new medium. And podcasting rock had introduced me to as a consumer years prior. And I always loved it as a, a medium for learning quickly and a lot of things, which is pretty near and dear to my heart, just education in general. So I think of podcasting from a consumption perspective as like a step towards personalized education. But then I got kind of hit in the face with this new emerging category within podcasting of audio dramas and fiction. And it was just kind of occurred to me all at once, like, if your podcast app were a bookstore, and you walked into it, it would have or a library, it would have nothing but nonfiction. And then all of a sudden, there was this other side of the coin with fiction and audio dramas and uh, specifically science fiction audio dramas. So got really inspired by some of the early audio dramas with like The Bright Sessions and Ars Paradoxica. And was like, this is something completely new, not for the purpose of education. And I love sci-fi. So let's kind of bring those things together and make something with our skills that we had. And we thought we had the skills that we would need to produce something of high quality. And we did. That is true. 
But we ran into this bottleneck of quality with our audio recordings because we were a remote distributed team. And uh, that was a real bottleneck and kind of a frustration to start with. And uh, kind of sat on that for about a week or so and found a way to turn that into a huge opportunity to really you know, have a fresh take on, on how that problem could be solved with some new technology. I want to dive into a little bit of what you just talked about because I had the similar experience with the remote podcasting. So if you can recall, what was that process like? How did you get the different recordings with everyone being in different locations? Yeah, so we just kept assuming that it was a solved problem because podcasting had been around for quite a quite a while at that point and just got kind of, you know, curious and started researching what is the state of the art? How do the podcast OGs like Harry Duran or Evo Terra or Dave Jackson, what do they say to do? What what's kind of the the best practice here? And we found pretty quickly that the answer was pretty unanimous, like use Skype plus some other application kind of duct tape together to record the audio. Ecamm or something. Right. Yeah. So so that kind of set up. But then we we started digging deeper into that and realized that the host sounded great because they're recorded locally, but then the guest audio was coming over the network. And if the network wasn't optimal, which it oftentimes is not, you would hear the network call it disconnection or network sounds. I don't know what what you'd really call it, distortions. And that would impact the quality of the guest audio quite dramatically and seem to be a bottleneck even for the pros, people that I mentioned before. So once we started talking to them, they were like, yeah, we have a solution, but everybody understands it's not purpose-built. It's not for the purpose of podcasting. And it's good enough. Like our audiences just kind of roll with it. And nobody really says too much. But as podcasting has grown up, that quality of specifically everybody in the conversation having kind of an equal footing of their quality has become more and more important as studies have come out to say that, you know, listeners perceive credibility from the quality of the audio of, of the guest and everybody in the conversation. So I think that that importance of quality is coming to the foreground. And that's where we can help with, you know, capturing quality audio for everybody in a remote conversation. That's awesome. And it, it's funny that both you and TJ were talking about like, having the experience of realizing that this is a problem. And I did too, but I just took a different path. I was just like, forget it. I'm just going to do everything in person. <laughs> like if I, if I can't do it in person, like, cause I, I probably read a lot of the same articles that you did about how people pieced it together. And I was just like, you know, this is something I want to do for fun. Like this is going to be a lot of work for me to figure out. And then, you know, luckily, you know, after like meeting TJ and then, like him introducing me to Squadcast and then me having the pleasure of meeting you guys, I was able to like land on a solution, which, I, which I'm happy about. But yeah, so we, we did skip over kind of like how you two came together. It sounds like, you know, Rock, you introduced Zach to, to podcast, but like how did you two even come together in, in the first place? Like how did you guys first meet? Yeah, so I think that's what made this whole thing easy is that from day one, we were at least starting off the Squadcast journey from a, a place of trust. We didn't know if we were going to have the talent, skills, or stamina to get this far or, or even further. You know, in many ways, we feel like we're still getting started. But yeah, so when I first met Zach, it was at a racquetball club that my mom used to work at in Sacramento. Young Zach was 13 then. So I must have been 15. And I met his brother Vince that day as well. So Vince must have been like, what, 16, Zach, if you were around that age. So 
So man, you're seventh, eighth grade. Yeah. So I met him and, you know, I, I think the, the, the friend that was with me who I was at the gym with was his name was Sal. And I think he called them the bash brothers. And so, you know, it's just for whatever reason, that memory stuck with me. And then a few years on in high school, I got reintroduced to Zach, Vince's little brother, you know, they're, they're very tight. And so, you know, Zach was always hanging around with Vince. And then more and more, we got to hang out with him. He just was Zach. It became our friend, right? And now, now he's running laps around us. So I think that's the thing about Zach that I don't want to say he was like on my radar, but I don't know what the right way to put this, but like he would push the envelope on what the rest of our friends were were doing and, you know, would set these like goals or expectations that on himself where we're just like, you're going to write a book. Oh, okay, cool. And then I would, I remember us talking, like I'd call up my friend, like, Hey, Hey, Sal, can you believe Zach's like going to write a book? And then, you know, a year or however long it took you, he came out with a book later. So, you know, stuff like that, you see that enough times you start to realize like this, this person does stuff and makes stuff happen. And what they say they do, they they do. And I like to think of myself like that in a, in a, in a similar tone. I just didn't, I didn't write, do something as impressive as, as writing a book quite yet, but you know, who knows? Yeah. So, certainly being around people like him is, is inspirational. So I just remember thinking like, there's going to be, he seems like he's thinking about something and making that something else, you know, he's, he, and, and I really have always been interested, just like captivated by people that like had their own thing and that were super creative, even though I never really saw myself as artistic or creative, but I just didn't realize like how creative business is. It's like one of the most creative endeavors I feel like one can do. So when he asked me to do it, you know, asked me about becoming his, his partner for Squadcast, it was pretty awesome, man, because I had already on my own personal journey been mentally and, and financially preparing myself to leave my my corporate job that I had, which was a pretty awesome job. And and honestly, I wouldn't be here now if it wasn't for that job. I think that job gave me a lot of the skills and confidence to believe that I could make this jump into something more independent and entrepreneurial. So when Zach asked me, I was already kind of like, ready. And it was just more like, and it's podcasting. So I was already a fan as a listener, wasn't a creator, but like definitely had that thought of, I should start a podcast with so-and-so, you know, like, you know, when you're mid conversation, we should just make a podcast out of this. Like, I remember thinking that and thinking, why wouldn't more people have that kind of thought? And I just always thought like Squadcast would be making that happen for, for everybody. And so it was more so right partner. The mission felt already from day one, like a fit, even though it wasn't completely clear. The cool thing is, is like, relatively speaking, the vision is pretty similar to what we wanted to do from day one, which is really help people create high quality content that weren't in the same location. And like, we get you, Julian, like, we're not going to debate saying in person isn't better or, you know, you always need to be remote. Like, I mean, you know, our hypothesis was that more people would want to collaborate remotely and want to do it in high quality, but we certainly get why uh, there's something magical with being in person as well. I was going to say, you also, the beauty of of having a tool like Squadcast, you prevent any limiting factor. So while Julian would love to have someone in person and interview couples in person for Couple Collective, he's stuck to a, let's call it a hundred mile radius. I don't know how far you'd want to travel, but like that's how far you'd want to go. Whereas with Squadcast, now you can bring people in from all over the world. Yeah. A hundred mile radius, I think is generous. I mean, like if I'm in that city and I know you and you're in that city, like we're going to record, but otherwise like it's people that are in my backyard. 
But I, I think the the thing that I, I took away from that story as well, and you know, well, one with with Squadcast, it's the scalability, the ability for you to reach people and connect people on a global level. But in terms of your your story of coming together, like that like mindedness, you know, we haven't talked about it yet on our podcast, and I'm sure we will at some point. But if you do decide to have a co host, or you do decide to start a business with somebody, you need to make sure that even if you have different skill sets, at least you have that like mindedness to be able to to start something and that patience with one another to kind of keep it going. Oh yeah, yeah, patience has certainly been something that, you know, is always always being tested one way or another. So the best we can do is at least, you know, be patient with each other. And I think that's the thing is like I always knew that like we had the skills to become what we needed to 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 do it. It was just more so like would people buy this? We had never done anything anything like this before. So a lot of stuff we've bumbled and stumbled our way to. But you know, luckily we we have the benefit of serving people that like talk for a living, so we don't have to go very far and 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 have a big ear to to hear what they're saying. So let's talk about you guys. Okay, you guys have met. You have this idea. You're thrusting yourself into the podcast industry. What was it like developing the product? How long from the point that you guys decided? You know what? Let's start this company. Let's. Let's start with Quadcast, which we want to know about the name in a second here too as well. But like you have this company, you have this idea, and you want to just put yourselves out there. What was that time frame like? What was that process like? How did you like come up with different iterations until you came out with V1 of Squadcast? It's a bit of a funny story on its own because we started off like we've, you know, told the story with this core problem and and thinking there was a new way to solve it. That was legit where we started. And we started kind of researching our way from there. And we are big on removing risk. And we felt like we're not going to take the, the the plunge into this until we can try to disprove ourselves enough times where we just come up empty-handed. And Rock and I had talked about some other startup ideas before Squadcast, just kind of here and there, nothing too serious. Like we both had good jobs, like on this, you know, typical American track, right? Like a lot of us are. And uh, not knocking that at all, but just kind of talking about other ways to do things and opportunities that we spotted. And, you know, it always just kind of ended with like a laugh and a cheers. And then we just kind of move on and say, oh, that's illegal. That's funny or whatever. You know, but but this one we couldn't disprove. That was kind of the first indicator to us that there was something something here. Any kind of previous attempts at trying to solve this problem either ended in failure or the industry wasn't happy. It, it didn't actually solve the problem and was reliable. So, you know, we, we started from there. And then we really, we made a, I would say is now in hindsight, kind of a prototypical first-time founder mistake. We started out with this core idea and then we blew it up into this giant platform and idea of like creation, consumption, monetization, like distribution, everything, right? Like everything in podcasting all under one umbrella was basically the idea. So you're welcome, Anchor. And, <laughs> and you know, we and that's what we started building legitimately. Like we wrote a lot of code like to to bring that to life. Like we built a very forward-leaning recommendation engine that never saw the light of day that used graph data structures to do kind of like next nearest neighbor lookups on recommendations from other people's listening behavior, much like Netflix does to recommend to people. So we took giant steps in that direction as far as engineering. And uh, that was a lot of fun. But once we launched our our beta, we we went to podcast movement. So thank you to the podcast movement team for taking a, a chance on 
Squadcast, the company they had never heard of and nobody had ever heard of before then, allowing us to, to sponsor the event. That was a big deal for us and was terrifying, just to be transparent, because that was our first step into that world, which was misplaced, by the way. The podcast community is tremendously open and welcoming. So that was, you know, lasted about two minutes or so. But we got some really great advice at that first podcast movement from who later became our, our first founding advisor, and that's Harry Duran. And Harry said, throw all that other stuff away. Everybody at all the other sponsors at this event are solving those problems in their own way, or they're already solved problems. Do you want to waste your time building something that already exists or competing or trying to replicate something? But what you started with, the core problem and idea is a legit problem. There's not a good solution. And nobody in this room is even trying or if they are, they're failing. So, you know, whittle it down, whittle it back down to what you started with and be the best in the world at just that. And that was very liberating. It, it allowed us to throw all of that stuff away, go back to the core of it and focus on solving these problems that we had found with, with new ideas. And uh, I'm really, really grateful that he saved us all that work and trouble of trying to spin our wheels and go in these different directions, compete with an entire industry as first-time founders. Like It just sounds insane now that I say it out loud. But at the time, we thought that's what startups did. That's how you go and pitch and get a unicorn round of funding and whatever else you know startups do. But there's a lot of things about our journey, that being the, one of the first things, but that's kind of one of the first moments where I can look back and think, okay, we actually are a bit counter to a lot of the conventional startup kind of success stories out there. I love that story because like one, it shows you're, you were open, like you were open to feedback and open to having somebody tell you, you know what, you want to like rein it in a little bit and, you know, to help out the curious scrappy podcaster that's listening to this, it seems like they should be open with the ideas that they have when it comes to like podcasting or how they're going to solve maybe a problem in podcasting like y'all are. And then in addition to that, I'd love to understand a little bit about podcast movement. And is that a place that only the squad cast of the world should go to? Or if I'm somebody who's into podcasting, who wants to start a podcast or have started one, should I be there too? I think it's for everybody in the podcast community. And I've, I've had borderline debates with people on social media about the impact and benefits of going to these conferences. And I think it's kind of magical. Like you, it's it's hard to put into words until you really experience it in in real life. And seeing all these people lift each other up and grow their show, and yeah, sure, there's tactics and there's kind of different approaches that people share, and those could be easily read on blogs or in YouTube or podcasts or whatever. But connecting with other podcasters and learning from each other interpersonally, podcasting can be kind of a lonely endeavor. It turns out. I mean, it's a bit strange because you're talking to other people most of the time. But the connection with the audience is something that is not kind of given to podcasters for free like it is on YouTube. It's something that you have to establish. And I think that that is one of the things that makes it less lonely. Engaging with the podcast community, learning from each other is one of those things. And then it's beyond just connecting, like contribute, you know, go and speak. Like the level of presentations and delivery and speaking at these events is the highest bar that I've ever encountered because everybody is essentially a professional speaker. So if you can be one of the lucky few that gets a speaking position there, it's like, it's a, that's a high bar, you know? So everything 
is of that standard. And it's very hard. I've, I've routinely put in request proposals for speaking at these events and gotten shot down, you know, at, because that bar is so high. And I have no ill will about that because I know like that's a high bar, right? And I'm striving for that. And sometimes I get them in there, but you know, there's everybody else is, is innovating at the same time and, and trying to get their their uh, presentation in. And, you know, a lot of people are better than me. So that's fine, too. I contribute to podcasting in a different way. So I think that that's, you know, there's something to be gained for everybody, especially those that contribute in an active way. It's a great point. And coming from the studio pod perspective, we attended our first podcast convention earlier this year. And I was definitely nervous because we are putting ourselves out there for the first time and introducing studio pod and we're trying to be this all-inclusive studio media company or podcast media company. And it does help because we have someone like you who introduced us to a bunch of other people, but the, also other people that we met there were introducing us to other podcasters. And there's no one that's like too big, right? There's no one that is saying, you know what, we're not going to talk to you because we have a you know 100,000 downloads a month or whatever it may be. Everyone is trying to help each other out. I've never seen an industry grow this fast, but still have such a tight-knit community and keep everything like within the fraternity is the wrong word, but it is a fraternity of podcasters alike. How everyone can help each other out, how they can be guests on each other's podcasts, how they can leverage different editors, producers, using tools like best practices around using tools like Squadcast and things like that. It was eye-opening for me. And I, I loved every minute of it. And I would also encourage any of our clients and listeners to look into the many different podcast conventions that are going on throughout the year. A lot of them are virtual now, given the situation, but definitely look at that for sure. Yeah. And, and I will add like with evolutions, there are different tracks that you can go on, whether you're a podcaster or like a professional, which gave different price points in case you were nervous about putting the dollars out there. But in terms of, you know, what, what TJ said, like, you know, we were a little bit intimidated. I mean, we were two dudes. Like, TJ, how tall are you? Like, 6'3"? He's like 6'4". I say I'm 5'9". I'm like 5'7". We're walking around with these, like, army-colored jackets that say pot on on the back. We have stickers that we're just, like, littering at the table by registration. And I think we're just, like, trying to get our name out there. But then, you know, we asked people to meet with us. You guys helped us in terms of like introducing us to Mark, but we met with Mark from Captivate in person. We met with JP from Storyboard. We met with the folks from Nota Labs and editing. Like we were able to just walk up to people and have conversations. And at the same time, there were other like scrappy podcasters there that were like asking us for advice. So it was like, it was really, really cool. And, and I also would recommend that our, our clients or anybody who's interested in the space kind of go there. I want to touch on where the name Squadcast came from. Was it your first name you chose? What was the back and forth? I love hearing these stories. I'd love for our audience to know where where you guys were headed with it and what, what you were thinking behind it. So I'll let Zach answer it because he did come up with the name, but I'm really happy you asked that question because it's funny how little that question, I guess, gets asked now that, you know, hearing it, like, I don't think anyone's asked us that. It is funny. So, so take it away, Zach. There was a bunch of attempts at naming. I'm admittedly not the best person on our team to name things. Kind of a inside joke, we'll say, within like, like software engineers, like the hardest part is naming things. And I feel that that's true, especially for startups, because it's got to, as um, Paul Colligan would say, it's got to pass the caveman test, where the name actually communicates what it is that you do. Right? And there's a lot of startups that that's not true for, right? Like, what does Zenga mean? 
right? Like, you know, I think Facebook actually does kind of come a little bit close, even though today it's like it's not, you know, makes less sense, but they've already gotten over that hurdle anyway. So we struggled with naming. We struggled with our branding because, as I said before, we went to I went to art school. Our designer, Alex, and I went to art school together. So I only bring that up because we end up being our toughest critics for design and branding and the name being kind of chief among that, you know, like it's it's really hard to to meet all of those constraints and come up with one thing that's memorable that also passes the caveman test and all these constraints, right? Anybody who's a graphic designer knows how hard it is to produce a logo. It's similar to that, right? Where coming up with the actual word is, is a tough one. So we wanted something that ideally would rhyme with podcast, but then there were all these other names that already existed in the industry and we didn't want to step on anybody's toes. That's not cool. So we wanted to to kind of take that that opportunity to come up with something new. The word squad had not been used in podcasting as far as we could tell up to that point. Outside of a few podcasts that just called themselves a squadcast. If you look on YouTube, there's some of those people like around that time the Suicide Squad movie had come out and there were some people who had like created these amalgams of like Suicide Squad podcast. But you know, they had like two or three episodes. So not a huge following or anything like that, it would seem. And then I didn't like it. I'm notorious amongst our team for for trying to fight against it for so long. Even though I came up with it, I was trying to come up with something better. I think Squadcast was actually one of the first things that we came up with. And it just kind of stuck in the conversations. But then I kept trying to disprove it. I kept trying to come up with something better. And we just never came up with something better. What was the other one? Yeah, you came up with another one. I want to hear some ideas. Yeah, because we were like, yeah, we had Squadcast and we were all set on it. And then Zach comes out with something else like, well, what about this one? I was like, oh, heck no. Now we got to think about this name. <laughs> I kept resurrecting it on our agendas and being like, no, it's not good enough. Like, it's fine for now, but like the conversation's not over, you know? And I, I think the, the the second runner up was Speakeasy because I felt like that passed the caveman test. It's like, okay, you know, but it didn't have that collaboration group aspect of it and squad does of course but i kept thinking of it like a military thing like it's a squadron but then my fiance at the time now wife becca she would be like no it's like a cool thing when people like go to like bachelorette parties they wear shirts that are like squad you know and it's just like okay i guess that's cool you know so it just we just never came up with something better. And that's, I think, because it's a good name and it does pass. It does meet all those constraints. And, you know, in hindsight, I say Squadcast so many times. Like at first when it would come out of my mouth, it just didn't sound right. Like Squadcast? Like, I don't know. It's just like, I don't know. It just it didn't sound right in my head. But a lot of startup names are like two words, like mixed together, like Dropbox or, you know, Descript, I think is another one of those, like multi-syllable. So I don't know. It, it's not a very poetic story with like a, a hero and an ending, but it was like it was just this long drawn out process that we just never came up with something better. Well, do you not remember the other names though? I think there was like Cast Hub and Mastercaster, and there were some other ones <laughs> that just sounded silly. But yeah, I kept thinking like GitHub, right? GitHub communicates collaboration, so it was like okay, let's do like something like yeah, Pod Hub or something like that. 
it's like GitHub, but for podcasting, like, you know, something weird like that. But Speakeasy, I think, was my secondary one. But of course, that name's been used a lot. And it was like, okay, that's going to be hard to differentiate. There's even in the Bay Area, there's like Speakeasy Brewing Company, which is like a huge company. So it's like, I don't want to butt heads with them on SEO or whatever, or, you know, geographic stuff. So there was a lot of other ones. And there was also there's there's funny stories about our logo as well, where we kept trying to have like a mascot and kind of like a persona into like some sort of animal that would like communicate Squadcast to people. So Alex and I are both ocean nerds. I used to work at the California Coastal Commission. He is a saltwater aquarium nerd and a half. I don't know how else you'd say it. He collects rare coral. He sells rare coral online. Most of the rare coral websites that sell online, Alex has built. He's kind of, you know, a huge influencer in that little microcosm of the internet. And we kept wanting to create this octopus, like animal mascot. And we came up with this name, Mike-topus, and we're like trying to like create this thing. And I'll save the punchline for for offline, but it's uh, it's it did not work out well. I'll put it that way. So the microphone logo that Alex came up with was also very, you know, rigorous process and hard fought because we had a lot of those high standards. I think Studio Pod should get a mascot, Julian. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, most, I mean we have the, the panda. The we do have the panda, Studio Pod panda. Yeah, we'll have to go with that. I'll be honest with you, as somebody who, like, by trade, I'm not a designer. I do enjoy thinking creatively and trying to do things creatively. I actually do not hate the octopus. The name I don't like, but I just like with all the tentacles and like bringing something together. I don't know. Yeah, I actually do. I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what we're going for. I mean, you guys have a much more interesting story than how StudioPod name came about. It was, I was just, a girl I was dating said, you should call it StudioPod. I'm like, done. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right. Great. <laughs> much more efficient than the amount of hours we spent talking about, you know, should it be squad? Should it be cast? You know, should it, yeah, it was all over the place. That was one of the things that we validated, like really, really clear validation at that same event at Podcast Movement. Everybody loved our logo. Everybody loved our name. Everybody loved our branding and our colors. And Alex probably, you know, I know for a fact he felt like a rock star because I don't think he had designed a brand for himself that landed so well within a community like all at once. And I think that was kind of a an achievement unlocked for him. Yeah. I mean, Alex has been great. We've had an opportunity to to work with him on the report that we put together for the webinar. I mean, he's been awesome to to work with. Alex is uh, is a jack of all trades. He is a unique individual and has the experience to back it up. I cannot say enough good things about Alex. So thank you, Alex. Yeah, thank you, Alex. And so we've had a chance to work with Alex on the remote podcasting stats or RPS as you're coining it. And then we had our webinar, the State of Remote Podcasting, that we recently did. And, and he and I got to collaborate on like the design of the actual content around it. But we definitely want to talk about that and where you see that report going. And just for people to know, like you guys sit on a lot of valuable data in terms of how people are putting together a remote podcast, what equipment they're using, whether it be headphones, a microphone how often they're actually in a session when they're recording, like how much of that time is actually recording time, as well as like what time of day that people are recording. So tell us a little bit about like that report. And, you know, we're, we're happy to kind of add additional colors since we partnered with you on it. Well, we're grateful for that. Having a partner on it certainly 
was a catalyst for us actually bringing it to life. So thank you both. And it came to life beautifully. So that was a, a big, big deal for us. So thank you. And it was it was not our idea. It was uh, it was again Harry Duran, our founding advisor. It was his idea. So thank you, Harry. But it was a long time ago that he first kind of threw that out there, and it was before I think we were even thinking about our data as kind of a valuable asset. And you know, I'll pause there because a lot of startups come to that same conclusion and they sell it for a profit. It's a it's a it's a revenue source to sell people's data, consumer data, whatever it is. And we never wanted to do that. We wanted to make it valuable to everybody and, and open it up to the podcast community. And that's where I think Harry came up with the idea of, well, like, let's establish an industry data report. There are other industry data reports like Edison's Infinite Dial Report or Libsyn. Every year, Rob Walsh produces a, a presentation at, at, at the different conferences on the state of podcasting, I think is what he calls it. And I always am a big fan of those reports, but that title is a bit of a stretch, in my opinion. That's half true. It is the state of podcast distribution and consumption. But these events that we're at are for creators producing content, which is upstream from distribution and consumption. So what happens before? It's like the audio just magically appears on podcast feeds and people listen to it. That's an incomplete picture in my estimation. So Rob, if you're listening, thank you for listening. And we should collaborate on an actual full state of podcasting report. But we felt like there was a huge opportunity, the other side of the coin, so to speak. And we have, as you said, we, we, we have a lot of interesting data. And we use that data internally to make product decisions and we generally are open about it. I think like James Cridlin with Pod News and the founder of Alitu, Colin Gray, the podcast host, had this kind of Twitter back and forth about people using speakers versus headphones to record their podcast. And uh, and we were like, we actually have that data. Let's like actually bring some measured qualitative data to this conversation where typically it's just anecdotal, just back and forth, like, no, I think it's this or that or whatever. And uh, we actually have at scale data for people actually producing their podcast. So that was kind of our first step was, hey, James and Colin and everybody in this Twitter, you know, debate, here's a chart of our actual data from, you know, the last couple months. And, you know, it took like an hour to put together or whatever, but we felt like that was a first step. And then we started talking with you both and saw an opportunity to actually create this report and bring it to life with uh, the 2019 kind of a uh, box around the whole thing. That's what we did. We brought that to life in the remote podcast stats report. And for the first time, it's an industry first, turns out. And then we wanted to have a webinar, not just put a PDF out on the internet. And we wanted to bring that to life and have a conversation around it. Uh, and that's what we did about a week ago with the State of Remote Podcasting webinar. So thank you again for for being a big part of that. Yeah, we were happy to to support. And a lot of that goes to Julian for owning it from the Studio Pod side of things. And the thing that I found most interesting about the report, there's two different things. The first thing that caught my eye was the time of which podcasters were recording their podcast. I could not get over this. It turns out that most podcasters are recording between the times of 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. during the day, no matter where they're at locally. I did not foresee that coming whatsoever, especially for us who are creating a podcast and helping the curious, scrappy podcaster. I thought this would be more of a side hustle type gig. Turns out not necessarily the case. The other was the equipment being used. 
Now, obviously, we have a we have a studio here with what we like to consider the top of the line equipment, but it is. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I found that certain equipment that was being used by potential clients and other podcasters aren't there weren't the best. So I was trying to understand and, and wrap my mind around why they chose certain equipment, and we can go ahead and talk about it. Particularly the Blue Yeti, as an example. I'm sure many of our listeners here have looked and researched or even bought a Blue Yeti. Oftentimes, we had a client right now, Dog Patch Advisors. They're coming out with a new podcast. By the time this comes out, it will be released called Ground Truth. Shout out to them. It's a great podcast. Everyone should check it out. Anyways, one of the hosts decided to buy a Blue Yeti because when they went to Best Buy or one of these larger department stores, that was recommended to them by one of the associates. And that blows my mind. Because for anyone out there, Blue Yeti is a very cool looking device. No doubt about it. Their branding is is really nice and they do a really good job with that. However, from a functional standpoint, not the greatest tool to use. So I think having this webinar ultimately kind of validates that the knowledge of having a highly produced podcast or high quality podcast is important, but like the the education isn't there because Blue Yeti is not a cheap mic. Like the ATR 2100s that you guys are using right now, which by the way, we should mention that this podcast is being, we're using Squadcast, is I think cheaper than a Blue Yeti, but the quality is significantly much better. And it's also a USB mic. So it's like, how can we educate the people out there to, to use the right equipment to ultimately allow them to create the highest quality podcast possible? Yeah, and I want to tie together two things. One thing that you said, TJ, with something that Zach said, in terms of, if we just sent out the PDF, they would have seen that the Blue Yeti was the most used mic and people would have taken that as Bible and then they probably would have gone and purchased it. But the conversation that we had around it and the, the conversation that was happening in the chat, you know, people were able to educate one another about like why you should be using another mic. I also want to say, going back to our conversation about the name Squadcast and the potential octopus, the Blue Yeti has this like beautiful like packaging with a with a Yeti, an actual Yeti, right? And so like that's appealing. And honestly, that was my first mic. Then I got the snowball because I thought like I was like progressing in the Yeti family before meeting TJ and realizing like maybe I should just get this ATR twenty one hundred, which is what I have at home now. And then the one other thing that I, I want to touch on in terms of the time in which people are recording. So you touched on like when they're actually doing it. And I mentioned a little bit earlier in terms of when they go into a session on Squadcast, the percentage of time they're actually recording versus maybe being in the green room or spending time getting activated after the recording. You know, for us, when somebody comes into the studio, we say, get there early, greet your guests, get them a drink, sit in this room that we're still trying to name, but I'm gonna call it the living room for now and start to have a conversation before you step into the studio and hit record, right? And that same behavior is happening on the platform whereby, you know, a third of the time people are recording and the rest of it, they're either getting acclimated with their guest or kind of debriefing from the conversation which was had, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, those are both insights that we weren't necessarily aware of either. So we're learning from this data at the same time. And that was kind of one of the first leading indicators that this would probably be valuable to our our industry partners, our peer companies, the, every podcaster, and not just kind of keep it internal and use it to build stuff or whatever. We can use it for both and the community can learn from it as well. That's why we felt, you know, that we should bring it to life. And, and I'm grateful that we did. 
And uh, to I agree with both of the things that you said. And then the one for me that's kind of near and dear to my heart is people recording with headphones versus speakers. And how it, it's not obvious to many podcasters or their guests how headphones impact the quality of their audio. They think quality, audio, what's recording my voice is actually my microphone. Why would headphones or speakers matter at all? And that's a agreeably kind of something that's not obvious. So we got to have, to, to your point, Julian, we, we got to have a conversation around that as well. And I think it's something that is a, absolutely that. It's an, it's an opportunity to educate around these are the trends that we see. This is the best practice. There are alternatives that are actually better. And, you know, headphones are a simple solution to keep your quality high with your, with your audio. I want to make a statement right here on the Pod On podcast with Squadcast as our guest. Everybody should be using headphones, whether you're in a studio, whether you're using Squadcast, whether you're using a Zoom recorder by yourself, you should always have headphones. It allows you to manage your gain, your volume, how to make adjustments as necessary. Please, please, everybody use headphones. It will allow you to, even the most novice podcaster out there, understand how your levels are coming in and how your editing team can ultimately make the changes as necessary or yourself. It's always easier to edit loudness down. You can never make quiet podcasts louder without having a little bit of distortion. And if you wear hats like me, I have options for you. I'm not wearing a hat right now, so I have over-ear headphones on, but I have some good in-ear recommendations as well. <laughs> and for somebody you know, like Rock and I, we're on podcasts quite a lot these days, and no argument. They're not the most comfortable thing to wear. They don't look cool, really. I don't know, unless you're like Dr. Dre or something like that. But it's not a fashion statement to wear headphones. I mean, I guess it can be these days. So thanks, Apple. But there are actual quality benefits that come from it, like you're seeing, CJ. And, and if you're remote, it even is more so because you have sound coming out of the speakers. So you can actually have this dialogue with your guest and, and headphones prevent any echo and feedback. Like we've all experienced holding up a, a microphone to a speaker and hearing that ringing back and forth. You don't want that to show up in your audio and you don't want a software solution to that problem either because it degrades the quality. So a simple solution is to wear headphones. And these days, because smartphones have been around for like a decade, everybody has headphones. Like, like pretty much everybody has headphones or go to Walgreens and you can get like a pair for like $2 or something like that. So that is, uh, you know, surprising to see so many people using speakers as their output device in our data. Even though we do everything we can to educate podcasters, I, I think that this data report is uh, that next step in that evolution of, of taking the data that we see and using it for educational purposes around quality, why it matters, and how you can actually improve your quality with simple things. Um, and then, yeah, the time of day is a very interesting one to us. One, from a support perspective, because we care deeply about support and have a dedicated support team on Squadcast, but also because, yeah, you would expect it to be nights and weekends. But, you know, the podcast industry has been growing up. There are more and more people who are professional whether that's their podcast as their product or they have another product and their podcast helps get people to their product is the one we see more often. But I think that that's uh, surprising to us as well. And then, yeah, the networking benefits of like roughly one third of the time spent connected to have a conversation, only one third of that is spent actually recording. So the other two thirds, one third up front, one third at the end are spent networking and connecting and building these deeper connections with people. And that's where I think that that can actually impact 
how much time you schedule into your podcast. Give yourself more time. Give yourself more networking potential. It can always be shorter. You can always finish early. And that's even great because you have you know, this new time in your calendar you didn't have before. But I think bookending your interview with actual time to connect as real humans off the record is uh, is kind of a secret superpower of podcasting that I think, you know, uh, when else are you going to talk to that author? When else are you going to talk to that industry influencer, right? So actually build those deep connections. I want to switch gears for a second and ask you, Rock, since you've started I and mean, you've become a consumer, now you've immersed yourself as a subject matter expert from a Squadcast perspective on remote podcasting. What have you seen the biggest change in the industry or how do you see it morphing over the past three and a half years that you've started this to where we're at now and where eventually you see the industry going? Yeah, well, I think, you know, just hearing you guys talking about that webinar that we had, I think a lot of what it boils down to is kind of something we realized early on, but maybe we were just too new in the game and too new to podcasting to really realize it. But it's something that the the folks at Rebel Base Media and Mark Asquith Captivate, who we talked about earlier, they do really well is that, you know, our work as servicing podcasters is doing what we directly do, which is with Squadcast. It's helping people record their podcast remotely with StudioPod. It's helping people produce dope podcasts, right? If we had to put it into a few words. But also, in addition to that, to really get the full benefit of what we're trying to help them with. There's all this other educational stuff that we have to help people out with as far as podcasting. So that's why we got to tell them to wear headphones or what mic to use. I mean, Zach pointed this out to me. Maybe within after a year we we were uh, into Squadcast was like the cool thing about podcasters is not necessarily that they podcast. It's that they're, they have something else that makes them special or unique. And they use podcasting as that vehicle to like connect with people. The great part about that is that's what makes it so dynamic and have so many different personalities and people. But I think that's also the downside is like these people aren't familiar with audio or familiar with technology by nature, usually maybe a little bit more willing to try new things than like the the complete person who's still using the flip phone or the razor or whatever. God bless you if you're out there. But there's still so much education that, you know, needs to be done. It, it's really been pretty interesting, I think. And we're seeing it even more now, ever since the shelter in place, just more people that want to start a podcast, maybe they want to document what they're going through, maybe they want to connect with a family member and document that too, or just, uh, there's just so many new people to to podcasting and just recording remotely in general, too. So again, that was always our hypothesis is that this intersection of podcasting and people wanting to collaborate remotely would be Squadcast's like ultimate opportunity. But we did not know how many like new people would be coming to the space or, you know, how much our work would involve like a lot of educational stuff. And I think that's what got me the biggest buzz after the the webinar was feeling like people got that information from that webinar, that we were making them all better as podcasters. We were making podcasting better almost. So maybe that's that's what was so exciting about that report. Because like at first, it's like if you just read it, and I think you, you might have said this on air or, or you, you definitely said it off air if, if it wasn't on air, Julian, was like if you just read through the report or just hand it to them, there's one way to to read that and interpret that. But then there's like the way that you can really get behind it and know like, Hey, there's actually like kind of this like 
little invisible war going on where all the veterans in podcasting think you're a total noob if you have a blue Yeti, you know, and here's why, you know, we got to kind of unpack that a little bit, but it's because there's just so many new folks to the space and it's such a, it's still, that's why just a couple of folks like us can just come in there and be super nervous because we, we know we don't know anything or, you know, we know enough, but you know, it just doesn't feel like that, that imposter syndrome that seems like everybody seems to suffer from to some degree, you know, you can still come in there and still be somebody and, and, and connect with people is because everybody has kind of come from that in a way. So it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Cause it's like, what makes it special and awesome, but it's also what fills up our day, at least ours. Right, Zach? Yeah. And one other thing that I'll add, I completely agree with that is, is we've also noticed a kind of a, a listener taste of quality changing. Oh yeah. Good like point. there's a, there's a more of a, a dialogue going on around quality of audio, whereas before it was kind of like, it's a miracle we have audio on the internet at all, let alone is high quality, right? So I think that that's been one of the things that is uh, an indicator to us of, uh, of course, we're out here trying to make quality podcasts accessible to everybody. Like you should, you shouldn't have to work at NPR to sound awesome, right? Like you can do that with your guests from anywhere in the world. NPR does as well. So it's just, it's, it's one of the things that we've seen changing is uh, around the conversation of it used to just be like, well, it's good enough. Like it's amazing. We could do it at all. And now it is, well, how do we do it and preserve the quality? And do it remotely, you know, with people who have never done this before and aren't professional podcasters. And that's really where, you know, I'm, I'm tremendously grateful that we can be part of that conversation and actually help podcasting kind of evolve in this way. Before we wrap up, the one question that I want to ask the two of you. So for a lot of people, Squadcast has solved the problem. But I guess my question for the two of you is, where are you in terms of solving that problem that you sought out to solve. So we're always looking for opportunities to improve the quality of both the experience while recording on Squadcast, but also the recordings that we're capturing together on Squadcast. So if we can think of those as two independent things, that's helpful. So the experience of the conversation that you're having on Squadcast is something that we plan to enhance through a collaboration with our friends at Dolby. We are bringing 3D spatialized audio to the conversation that we're having, like video does today, to make the conversation feel and flow more naturally like you would have in real life. And that's kind of one, one effort. Another effort is the audio we record on Squadcast can further be enhanced with the, the post-production mastering capabilities that Dolby brings to life. Things like background noise reduction and loudness normalization can all be kind of push-button within Squadcast to further save time in post-production. And uh, those two things should go quite a long ways towards improving the experience on Squadcast. And then beyond that, we plan to add video recording to the platform with the, uh, the same rigorous quality standards that we hold today for audio. We will be applying those to video in the near future here with uh, locally recorded 1080p video for everybody in the conversation uploaded in the background progressively so you get that same level of reliability with automatic backups and all the things that we do with audio today we'll be bringing that to life with video that's super exciting i know a lot of people have been asking for that for a long time and i know when you're creating a company especially a technology company even though you have aspirations there's baby steps you got to take so it's exciting that you guys are there exciting about the partnership with dolby you guys are doing some really great stuff I know Julian wants to ask his final question. This is how we end every podcast. Exactly. 
So what advice would you have for the curious, scrappy podcaster? Man, I would say it's one of the things that we see get discussed a lot in in the various meetups that we go to or the events that we go to is like people get really hung up on the equipment or the services or pretty much everything other than just like just starting the thing, you know, and it's it's just <clears throat> to do it. You should just do it. And you are going to get a lot better over time. And but the equipment is not going to get you any better in the way that just like learning and starting and putting yourself out there. And again, like, you know, leveraging off of the community because the community understands what it's like to be in your shoes so well that, you know, you, they, they will help you more than any mic or headphones will, you know, that stuff is important. A microphone is definitely going to make you sound better, but it's not worth getting hung up over. And it's definitely not worth spending you know, more than, you know, a hundred bucks, but you can definitely spend less and be okay. And so that's the, I think that's like the, the, the most common thing. I mean, you know, we have a, a, a product that we would love to sell you and help you with your podcast, but you know, none of that stuff needs to get in the way of just like, just starting <laughs> and then everything else will, will come there. And there's, you know, so many different ways that you can figure out all the other, you know, the tech and the, the, the hardware, but, you know, just just starting the show and not getting overwhelmed by so much of, of the other stuff. And to further expand on that, keep going, push through and show up. I think that's one of the things that through a lot of times we tell kind of our startup story is is a lot of it is just showing up. And it's amazing how much of that actually is a factor. So pod fade, this term in our community is is uh, something that I, I am, am hopeful that we can overcome at some point. And, and, and for sure, start, look for and expect and hold yourself to higher standards and look forward to getting better. And that's one of the things that can keep you going is, is not just the next guest or the next number of listeners or whatever, but, you know, do it for yourself, but but do it for your audience. Like build that connection with your audience, and they're the ones who actually benefit from your stories and your quality and your mic choice. And through that lens of 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 what's best for my audience and my listeners, everything else kind of follows organically from there. So so like Rock said, just you know get off to a solid start. Like don't overthink it. Just start and and look for ways to get better. Awesome. This has been great. Really appreciate y'all coming on and, and joining us. We're grateful to, to be on your show. Thank you for having us. We hope we've added value for your listeners. You can find us at squadcast.fm. I'm Zach underscore underscore Moreno on socials. Come to podcast events and meetups. They're accessible and all over the place now. Or if you can't find one, start one. There's a lot of great resources out there for that. The benefits of the community are tremendous. So thank you to the podcast community. And to help share our thanks, we have the pod on coupon code. So P-O-D-O-N. When you check out at Squadcast, that'll get you $10 off your first month, which uh, depending on what plan you choose will be your first month free or half off your first month or however you want to slice it. And we're really grateful we can help you with your remote interviews. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Every episode of the Pod On Podcast is produced and edited by Studio Pod Media.
For more information about our work and our clients, go to studiopodsf.com. Shout out to Gary Oakland for the fire track. Gary O!